Welcome to the One Church Podcast. Join us as we embark on a spiritual journey, dedicating the beginning of the new year to the Lord through Reset 2024. This 21-day period of fasting and prayer symbolizes our commitment to spiritual renewal and the anticipation of God's miraculous workings in our lives. Please stay tuned as we dive in to listen to the messages from Reset 2024. Well, last night, uh, we were in the theme of return. How many of you were blessed last night? How many of you were blessed? Well, you know, I had a great, great time just ministering because God was really moving in this church. Uh, uh, and I want to say the big word was return. Uh, you know, we, uh, I believe the church, this church, God is about to take this church to the next level. I said the mandate on this church, the season this church is about to go into is a season of acceleration. But if you need to move into acceleration, what do we need to do? Can you put that formula right out there, brother? Well, how do we, how do we get to acceleration? We got to align. We got to align ourselves with what is on God's heart. These 21 days of prayer is all about humbling. It's all about aligning. It's all about correction. It's all about uh, surrender to God and saying, God, I want to align to what is on your heart so that my family, my church, and I can move in the speed of what God is doing uh, in this church. That is a mandate upon this church. Another word yesterday the Lord really put on my heart for this church is that this church is going to become an apostolic church. What does that mean to be an apostolic church? A church is not known for its seating capacity, but it's supposed to be known for its sending capacity. Look at somebody and say, be a sending church. So that means that many people in this room that you look at in the next couple of years, you wouldn't be here. God would strategically send you out from this city, from this church, to possibly start churches, to be part of initiatives, to be sent out. That's the right word. To be sent out on the assignment that God has for you. And as you are going out, more people will come in because that's how it is. You know, when you go out, it doesn't empty yourself. The Lord will continue to do what he's doing in this church. So uh, as we were looking at what does it look like to be an apostolic church, we talked about the fact that we need to return. The big word was U-turn. Can you show that picture? You know, if uh, we, we looked at this, this picture yesterday. Return. We need to take a U-turn. We'd love to be on that expressway. If you can give me a little more monitors, it would be great. Uh, uh, you, we'd love to be on the expressway. We don't like to be on the, uh, you know, I mean, the way that we got here, we made a few, you know, uh, we were talking a little bit and uh, we made a few cuts and we made a, you know, we missed a few cuts. So God is off the expressway into some of the side roads where we would stop at every signal, right? We slow down the whole traffic. So God is saying to all of us in this room, it's time to take a U-turn from the expressway. Go back and finish some unfinished business. What is the first thing that we're talking about? Return to your first love. Put that picture up there. You know, that we talked about the fact that, you know, we need to return back to our first love. To going back to some of the things we're talking about you know, worship, we're talking about word, we're talking about witnessing. And this was so clear for the church that we need to go back to the root places of where our faith actually started. You know, I feel like, uh, you know, God has blessed us a lot, some of us a lot. And then because now the blessing, we cried out to the Lord for the blessing. Now the blessing has become the hindrance for us to love and serve God. So that's what I said. The name of Jesus is above every blessing, every asset every position, every uh, reputation that we have, the name of Jesus is right about that. Then we talked about, what was the next thing we talked about? We, we talked about going back to the ancient boundaries. 
You know, we talked about the fact that as a, as a child of God, you know, there are things that you can do, there are things that you cannot do. You cannot be looking at, you know, I feel like more and more the American church has moved the boundary lines of what it looks like to be a Christian. They moved the goalpost. It started off really narrow. Let me tell you something. One of the fastest growing religions in the world, uh, uh, apart from Christianity, is, is Islam. And one of the things about Islam is it's not a wide door. If you have to be a Muslim, you know what it takes. How many days of, how many times do you need to pray? You know, the, 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 the narrow path that you need to go through. And you might be thinking, you know, if you make it too broad, more people will come. It's actually the other way around. The narrower it is, it's like the, it's like, you know, how many people want to buy the Bentley? Not a lot of people. It's a narrow path. You need to, you need to be able to pay about 200000 to get that car. It's almost like it is a narrow path for you to get down to the other side of this destination. So God is wanting us to go back to the ancient boundary lines of Scripture, of mandates, of the commandments, of, of, the, of the ways that God wants us to behave. The next thing we talked about is that we need to go back to our original vision, Right? God gave us a plan. What is a vision? Vision is a, you know, a nudging of the Holy Spirit. God speaks to you when you got saved. I remember when I got saved, you know, I, I can tell you, yesterday there was some prophetic words about some people here in this room, that you grew up with a lot of prophetic words. And you're like, oh my God, I even forgot about some of those words that were spoken to me. Sometimes we are having hard drives filled with prophetic words and the prophet comes to switch on the recorder. But when is the last time that you went back to the prophetic word and acted on it? I look at the prophecy as a roadmap. It doesn't look like, okay, this is a prophetic word. I'm just going to sit back and sit on my easy chair and everything is going to start rolling out. Now, it is, it is a map. It is a map for me to get out and step out in faith and do something to get into action. All right. So the call last night was to go back to the original vision. You do not have a vision. You don't have a future. Vision is a bridge between the present and the future. Vision gives pain a purpose. Every day, you know, we get up in the morning, we make decisions. Even this morning, we had to make some hard decisions about ministry, about, about a vision, because every time we make a decision based on vision, it gives pain a purpose. We are, pre we are, we are prioritizing our time. We are prioritizing our money. We are prioritizing our, you know, major things, our calendar, to fit the vision that is on our life. So I think it's time for us to go back to our original vision. The last piece that I talked about was to return back to covenanted relationship. I talked about the fact that it takes about 200 hours to build a solid relationship. Some of our relationships are so flaky. We, it, it's, it's biryani relationships. It is, uh, it is chai relationships. I mean, it, it's, it's at surface level. I believe Every relationship that lasts for a long time has to go through the fire. It has to go through the test of time. And, and you know, and there are people in my life that I know that, you know, they just keep coming back. There are people I, I thought we were done in India. The next thing, next round happens, another round in the Middle East. Wow. You know, a couple of years in the Middle East, doing great ministry together. Bye-bye. I thought I was over. Next round, right here in the Northeast, coming to New York. These guys are now coming around the same area, the relationships rotating again and again. What am I trying to say? There are concentric circles of relationships that God has placed upon your life. And if you've seen those same people, some of them you don't like. But let me tell you something. You've seen the worst things about them. And now it's easy for you to trust them 
and to do things together with them because when God gives you a vision, you cannot do it on your own. Right, Pastor C? When God gives you a vision, vision is not for you to just put it in your pocket. Vision is for you to share. Habakkuk says, the Lord spoke to Habakkuk and says, write the vision, make it clear so that anybody who reads it will run with it. Why do we have a vision statement? Our vision statement is to see every student and every nation gospelized and mobilized. Why do I keep saying that? Because every time I, every time I share it, there are people that walk up to me. Once I shared about this, you know, in a place, a door opened up in Penn State University. Once I opened up and shared about this vision in another church, a door to Stanford University opened up. Why do I keep sharing the vision? Because this vision is not about me. It's a vision that God has given me. I need to share it. I need to find out who are the partners that I can do business with. Amen? So go back to those covenanted relationships. Some of them are on the other side of the world. Some of them are in the other side of the coast. Maybe somewhere, somewhere in Texas, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in Phoenix. I talked about last night about this, this guy that I, you know, that I mentored and he was part of our team and he was a business young leader uh, and then I didn't hear from him for a long time. Then I get a call from him and he calls me and tells me, uh, listen, I got married, I've moved to Phoenix, got married to this girl who now lives in the, uh, in the U.S. and I'm in Phoenix and that conversation led to a vision to do the largest Outreach to the South Asian tech community in Phoenix. Over 350 people came, 25 people gave their lives to the Lord. All because that concentric relationships that God has placed in your life. Look at somebody and say, maybe that person that God wants to use and do something with you is standing, sitting right next to you. Give a big high five and say, come on, let's time. It's time to do some business. Or let's, let's, let's make it cool. Let's time to change the world. It's time to change the world. It's time to change the world together. All right, tonight I really want to switch a little bit of the gear. I think I shared less yesterday that tonight I'm really believing and expecting from the Lord for a night of the Holy Spirit, a night of impartation. Some of the things that I'm going to share tonight, it is not just preaching. It is actually an impartation. It's stuff that I'm actually living. It's something that I am practicing on a daily basis, and I've seen it and work it and use the same formula, and I see breakthroughs, and I want to give you the keys into your hands so that you can use the same keys. What do, you, what do you do with keys? You know, you have a couple of keys in your, I mean, you know, it depends on how we are right now. It's getting more techy these days. You don't need keys a lot, but back in the day, we carry a lot of keys too. And, and, and you look at the bunch of keys that you have. You look at the key that is used the most. That's the one that is worn out. That's the key that is used. God has given us keys, and we have not been using it. So this, this, uh, this evening, I really want to drop some things uh, from my spirit on that. So one of the big things that I want to get to tonight is to return to prayer. Return to prayer. What does it look like to make the right kind of prayers? We all pray, but we don't get the results. What are the principles in the Bible that we can use so that we pray right? It's about like, you know, somebody said, everybody's doing uh, cardio, so I got to do cardio. Everybody's on a sugar fast. I've got to be on a sugar fast. Somebody said, it doesn't really matter. You've got to know your body type, and then you've got to eat the right way. Then you would have the right results. It's something like, you, you know that we need to pray. It's like, it's like oxygen. But we don't know sometimes how to pray, and because we don't know, we don't pray right, we don't get the results right. Are you excited tonight to, to, to delve into that? Uh, so let me backtrack a little bit. Tonight, I want to just say, before I get into prayer, you and I need to, I, I felt in the, in the room, 
that you grew up around lies. You grew up around words that were spoken to you. Let me tell you something. Your identity is not what your dad told you. Your identity is not based on what your friends told you when you were growing up. Your identity is not based on what your relatives thought about you. Your identity is not based on some of the friends and they use certain names on you. Your identity is not that. Tonight, I feel like people in this room are in prison to the words that were spoken over your life. You, you know, I, I, I really want to say, because if you don't know who you are and whose you are, you cannot access certain things in the kingdom. Look at somebody and say, know who you are and whose you are. Because you need to know who you are and whose you are. Because if you don't know that, then you become a victim or the product of some of the things. When I'm telling you, before I got saved, I had an uncle uh, that spoke some crazy things over me. And I was like, I dreaded this guy and some of the words that he spoke over me. I had teachers who spoke negative things over my life. And until I came to know Jesus and the curse of those words were broken, I lived under the shadow, under the weight, under the prison of some of those words. And I'm saying tonight, by the Spirit of the Lord, tonight the, 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 the power of those words are being broken tonight at the name of Jesus. Those words have no power. You know, we, 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 we have this color issue in, in India. You know, you know, the more fairer we are, the more better we are. It's, it's, a, it's a colonial mentality. Right? It was, in, it, it, that was That was put into our head, the more fairer. Every, every movie that we watch in Bollywood never has got a, 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 you know, a darker skin heroine. It's always got a very lighter skin person. And there are tags that grew up around you with the, with the skin color that you have. And I want to break that curse right now in the name of Jesus. All the women in the room, let me tell you something. You are precious and priceless. You are so good looking. You look like Jesus. You were made in the image of God. Let no man, let no person, no friend tell you you are less than that. All the men in the room, you are nation shakers. You are bold decision makers. You're called to be leaders and pastors and, 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 and leaders of your homes. And if you, if you or anybody else in your family told you that you are not, it is a lie and it is from the pit of hell. And on the cross, Every lie was broken. And I, tonight I break the power of those words that altered your identity. If you do not know who you are, let me, can I tell you who you are? You are the son and the daughter of the Most High God. Look at somebody and say, you are the son and the daughter of the Most High God. You are the son and the daughter of the Most High God. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, in Genesis chapter 1, are you guys with me? Come on, look at me and say something. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Don't sleep on me. We're going to have half of the service standing. Right, Pastor? We got, we got tricks. We got tricks, man. Okay, so, uh, so all I'm trying to say, all I'm trying to say is stay with me. We're going to have a great time, you know, and help me preach the word. So what I'm trying to say in Genesis chapter 1, God spoke to Adam and says, Be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. Which means, guys, you are rock stars. You are nation shakers. You are world changers. That is the DNA that we have. And then, you know what happened? Sin entered the world. And the very power that Adam and Eve had was robbed from them. So, 
You know, as we look at uh, theologically, there are four frames or four themes in the Bible. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. So what happened on, uh, in the Garden of Eden? Jesus came, God sent his son to die on the cross for us. And by the blood of Jesus and the finished work on the cross, he redeemed us from that curse and restored us back to where we were in the garden as son and daughter of the living God. So we are called to rule and reign. Look at somebody and say, you're called to rule and reign. You are called to rule and reign. You are rulers. You are heirs and co-heirs with Christ, the Bible says. So positionally, me and Jesus, we are like cousins. Like, you know, I, the same power that Jesus has, I have. The same authority that Jesus has, I have because that is our identity. If you do not know what our identity is, your prayers are going to be so weak. Because you're always doubtful. I'm not sure if I pray God will listen to me. Can I make those prayers? Can I make these crazy prayers? I'm telling you, if your prayers are not crazy enough, you don't know who your God is. Your, the, the, the lingo or the language of your prayer is directly proportional to the revelation of God in your life. Can I say that again? The languages that, that the words that come out of your mouth during prayer is directly proportional to the revelation of God in your life. If you think that God is a weak God, then your prayers are going to be weak. You're not sure about who God is, the power He has. He's almighty. He's El Elyon. He is the almighty God. He's, there is nothing that is impossible, the Bible says. So if you don't know if these things are true, then you're like, I'm, I'm really not sure. That is why the Bible says the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. That means it, 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 you don't need a doctorate degree to pray for somebody who's sick. All you need to have is faith. Faith in who? Faith in Jesus that when I pray in the name of Jesus, that sickness will leave. That's all you need. You don't need, the, you don't need to go to med school for that. Let the guys who go to med school, let them go do that and help us to understand what the sickness is so that I can use the, 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 the password, Jesus, and get the breakthroughs that I need. Is everybody with me? So you need to know who you are and whose you are and the authority that we have. The Bible says, Jesus said, all authority in heaven, on earth, I give it to who? To you. We have the authority. We have the power. Our position is we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. My mom and dad, they've not like given, uh, written the will, but I just know in my heart that whatever they have is for these two boys. Like I know it. Like I haven't written a will for my kids, but whatever I have, I know it's for my kids. Whatever Jesus has is mine. And whatever I have is his. That is why the cross is a place of divine exchange. My sickness becomes gets exchanged to him and his healing becomes my birthright. All right, we're getting complicated here. Let's keep going. So I want to tell you tonight about how we can pray. Is everybody excited about how we can pray? How we can pray. Let's look to the book of Nehemiah. Let me just get this. Let me get that first scripture right. The, the, the headlines. If Nehemiah was living in our times, the New York Times headlines would have been this. Can somebody read it? So the wall was finished in 20 and 15 day of the month of Elul in 52 days. So the headlines would have been Nehemiah finished the wall in 52 days. It's like a record-breaking deal. It's like, you know, there was a story about getting the icing ring. We used to live very close to Rockefeller Plaza and you know the, you know the big ice skating place there. 
and you know they had a massive budget to re, you know, redo the whole thing and re you know, rebrand it and there was many many proposals and people couldn't do it until a, a proposal was given to Trump and he finished it in record breaking time so the headlines was Trump finished the uh, you know the ice skating ring in record breaking time this would have been the record breaking miracle in New York Times if Nehemiah was around right now he finished the wall in 52 days why am i saying this because I said this church is about to move into acceleration. This wall was done in 52 days. Let's find out how did he finish the wall in 52 days. Is everybody with me? Let's look at the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1 onwards. How can we make prayers? Number one, if you are looking, uh, 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 well, where are we right now? Like, can we just go pause for one, one minute? Uh, the word Nehemiah means the Lord remembers. So if you're having a baby boy and you're thinking about what's a good name to put for my boy, the best name would be Nehemiah. And you can call him Nemo at home. How about that? Has anybody seen Finding Nemo? I'm giving you a clue for the video that I just recorded yesterday. Finding Nemo and you know about Dory, right? Dory, Finding Nemo. It's coming up on one of our videos I just recorded. So here we go. What am I trying to say? Nehemiah is, uh, is not a pastor. God, you know, when God wants to do something on the face of planet earth, he's looking for somebody, right? It doesn't mean that it has to be a pastor. It doesn't mean that it has to be a full-time uh, uh, missionary. It doesn't mean that it has to be somebody holy and con. God can use anybody. You know, when I came into New York, my God, you know, the apartment that I was staying, uh, that floor was filled with diplomats. And, you know, I, I was scared to ask what people were doing because they were all either from Colombia, they were this diplomat from this place, and this, I was feeling overwhelmed. I'm like, what am I doing here uh, uh, in the city? What am I trying to do? And, and that's when I heard this real truth that God never uses the qualified. He qualifies the called. So the, the matter is, it is not about whether you have the qualification or not. It is a matter that are you called. Amen. So let's stay with together. Uh, so Nehemiah is trying to understand what is going on. He hears the news that the walls are broken and uh, it's been burned with fire. And he gets, he gets upset. He begins to start to pray. And he prays in a certain way that gets these results in 52 days. Okay? The number one thing. Let's do Nehemiah chapter 1 and the first scripture. First scripture. Can I get some water, Pastor? Uh the first, the first slide. Can you read this? Nehemiah is making a prayer. He hears about what's happening. And he makes a prayer. So let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night. If you need to see some breakthroughs happening in your life, you need to pray fervently. Look at somebody and say, you got to pray fervently. You got to pray fervently. You cannot. Yesterday I talked about the fact that you cannot make an instant prayer for an instant results. You're looking at a guy preaching to you, but let me tell you something. I am a result of my mother's prayers that she prayed for day and night. For my life to be transformed. For me to be in ministry. For my brother to be where he is. It's the prayers of our mothers who prayed not just one night, but they prayed what? Day and night. If you need to see some of the breakthroughs that are happening in your life, you need to pray fervently. Look at somebody and say, oh my God, sorry. Uh, look at somebody and say, you got to pray fervently. 
You got to pray fervently. You got to put a down payment for your prayers. You cannot expect instant results for some of the breakthroughs that you need. You got to pray. Somebody gave me a wristband, and somebody gave me a wristband when I was when I was a teenager, and it was a, a wristband. You know, back in the day when you were in India, just waiting for somebody to come from the U.S. so that they can give you that WWJD wristband. Remember that one, Pastor C? You know, so they gave me this one called push. You know what push means? Pray until something happens. You know, when I was in the labor room with my wife, if you've ever been in the labor room, it is not like Kenny G playing saxophone. It's not like a jazz concert happening. It's like a metal concert going on. And everybody's screaming at each other. And the only word I could hear in the middle of all that was going on was the word push. All the mothers in the room. What is that word? No, I can't hear you. Come on, mothers. Look at me. Come on. Speak to me. Talk to me. What is that word? Push. Pray until something happens. You got to pray and keep on praying. You got to pray and keep on praying till that breakthrough happens. You cannot pray for one minute and expect it to happen. You cannot pray for one day and let it happen. He prayed for something as big as this assignment. He prayed for it for day and night. In fact, the Bible says he actually prayed for four months, day and night, to see this magic breakthrough of the New York Times breakthrough happening. What is it? He finished it in 52 days. So some of our prayers need to be changed. The intensity has to be changed. We have to get on our knees and say, God, I'm praying and I'm going to keep on praying till that breakthrough happens. Look at somebody and say, pray and keep on praying. Look at somebody, the other friend, and say, pray until something happens. You know, the Bible says Elijah prayed seven times. James prayed. In Luke chapter 18, we hear about the story about the persistent widow. We got to be persistent, guys. We got to keep on praying. We got to keep on praying until a breakthrough happens. There are miracles in our life that we have prayed. Let me tell you something, you know, somebody was asking me, how did you get to where you are at this point, the zip code, you know, uh, the, 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 the New York zip code, I told about the story, the place that we are living in right now, a year, a little over a year ago, the Lord began to speak to us about this zip code, uh, I mean, this area, and the zip code was 11545, and we found that, man, it is a great zip code to live, and uh, we weren't sure when we were going to move out of the city, but all that we do is that we actually stayed in a hotel, in that area. Got in the morning and prayed around that area. 11545, just praying around in circles. Come the next week. Sometimes my wife is like, why are we coming into the same area again and again and again? For a little over a year, we just kept coming to the same area. And today we live in that same area in a house that we lived and we prayed into. So can I tell somebody, you walk into what you pray into. Can I say something? You walk into what you pray into. Look at somebody and say, you walk into what you pray into. About a, about, about a year ago, about a little over a year ago, the Lord spoke to me when I was, when I was praying in the morning. Uh, and this, from the scripture, Abraham walked the length, and God spoke to Abraham, walk the length and breadth of this land, and I will give it to you. So that, that got me excited. I felt like in the morning, the Lord was prompting my family and I, to drive across the length and breadth of America and pray for the young people to be saved. So can I show that? Can you show that picture? 
This, is, this was a tour that we did for, for 30 days, 9,000 miles, all the way from New York to LA, Seattle, to Miami, back to New York. 9,000 miles of praying in different days, in different cities, just praying that, Father, that you would open up doors in the city. We declare open doors. And we ask friends in all of these cities to say, can you give us one hour to agree with us in prayer? We took a minivan. We, we rented a minivan, a Chrysler Pacifica, you know, and then we, we just started driving every day, every night. And the kids' exciting part was every night they stayed in a different hotel. That was like a prayer answered for them. But let me know, we were sent by some of the great pastors, Pastor A.R. Bernard, Tim Keller, some of the great leaders, prayed, sowed, sent, uh, you know, funded for us to be on the road and prayed and prayed and prayed. Every night we were in different places, different cities. And guess what happened? I was, I was like, one of the cities was Washington, D.C. And I was like, man, we were tired. This was probably one of the last leg, and I didn't want to wake my family up. So I actually rented a little uh, electric scooter. Remember the scooter that we have? You know, the one that we had. So we, we stayed very close to Capitol Hill, and I rented a little scooter and went around Capitol Hill praying in the morning. Just praying, praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, and saying, God, open up this area, Capitol Hill, for us. The next thing you know, after we came back, uh, we just started to see open doors happening. One of the first steps, first stops that we had was at uh, uh, college State, uh, the, where the Penn State uh, universities, just after the trip was over, Penn State University opened up for us to have an outreach. And the next thing we know is I got invited. The next picture, if you can show me. I got invited to be in the, to, to meet with the Surgeon General right in the White House, in, in Washington, D.C., with the White House. He's, he's, as you know, who he is. You know, and just to say, they, they made an official tweet on their government ID. Met with Bonnie, working in college campuses around mental health. How did this happen? You walk into what you pray into. You walk into what you pray into. When you walk and you pray and you take authority over the land, God begins to give it into your hands. The Bible says, wherever the sole of your feet shall tread, I will give it to you. But if you sit at home and watch TV and sit on that couch and eat some popcorn, nothing's going to happen. Have some soda pop. Is that what jo uh, Joji said? you know, or, or some Dr. Pepper, whatever. If you're going to keep drinking that, nothing's going to happen. You got to get out of your house. You got to get out of your comfort zone and drive 9,000 miles. Then people will start talking about you. Then doors will start opening. And today when we are in California and Berkeley and Stanford and, you know, in, in some of these great universities, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because we actually went there and prayed. We spent about three, four days in California saying, God, give us California. Give us Hollywood. Give us some of these great universities. And now these open doors are coming to us. One, two, three, four. Because you walk into what you pray into. Amen? So what I'm praying this morning is that you got to pray fervently. Number one. Number two. Keep going. What's number seven? What's number seven? It says, Nehemiah is making, let me tell you something. You got to be honest before God. There's nothing you can hide from God. Hey, you have a medical issue. Don't try to hide it from God. You have a problem with your career. You have a problem. You have an issue. You got to be open. You got to be humble. And you got to tell the Lord what you're going through and be honest because there is nothing in your life that you can hide away from God. So here is, here is uh, uh, can I go back to the, pray, uh, the scripture? It says, we, Nehemiah is making a prayer. He's making a prayer and said, God, we have acted wickedly towards you. 
We have not obeyed the commandments, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. What, are, what did I say last night? Alignment equals acceleration. What is Nehemiah doing? He's crying on behalf of the people. What was I doing in Penn State? I was crying on behalf of the students. 40,000 students who don't know Jesus. The largest group of people, all the campus ministries in Penn State was about 1,000 people. What is 1,000 students? About close to 40,000 students. We were praying and saying, God, would you, we stand on the gap and pray for the students. So the second piece is that you got to, number one, you got to pray fervently. Number two, you got to pray honestly. You got to pray honestly before God and say, God, we are sorry. We have messed up. As a family, we have messed up. As we have walked away from the plans of God, we repent. And that's why the altar call is here. Altar call is not to count number of people who came up. It's for you. It's not for the preacher. It is for you. Billy Graham, every time he preached, he was, he was nudging somebody who's sitting in the bleacher, who's sitting in the seat to make that decision to come up to the altar. Why? Because he came all the way. Spend all that money for them and not for him. And I feel like I've here come here to share this word with you so that you begin to pray some honest prayers before God. God, my dad, you know, he's not walking with the Lord. He's an alcoholic. There are things in my life that are not right. God, I'm praying honestly and I'm praying on behalf of them because they do not know you. And I'm, I feel in my heart that set up mothers here praying for their children. The Bible says, me and my household, we will serve the Lord. They have to come to the house of God. They have to come to know Jesus because why? The promise of God is that me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let's go quickly. So, you know, number two, praying honestly. Number three, let's go to verse number eight to nine. Verse number eight to nine. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me, and obey my commandments. And if your exiled people are out of the Father's horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. You know, when I wake up in the morning, there are two things that I can do. One, if I'm in a hurry, I'm going to grab two slices of bread and put that in that toaster. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to become American right here. So I'm going to make a PBJ. What is that? Like a peanut butter jelly sandwich, I'm going to make like a easy go peanut butter jelly sandwich. But you know what? But if I am having some extra time and I'm in a good mood, guess what happened? I'm going to change the entire, uh, uh, the same slices of bread. I'm going to add some eggs into it, right? And I'm going to fry some bacon and I'm going to get some more, a little more healthy. I'm going to put some avocados, right, Pastor? We need some avocados. We need some greens into it. And then we're going to throw in some ham. And then whatever else you have and turn that sandwich into a club sandwich. Is anybody hungry doing fasting prayer tonight? People, I'm giving you ideas. There's a diner close by. I'm just been telling you. But let me tell you something. You turn that sandwich from a PBJ to a club sandwich with layers and layers of stuff. I've got ham. I've got bacon. I've got eggs. I've got avocado. And I've got whatever else you want to put into that. And that's how you pray. You turn your prayers loaded up with, a, with one layer of prayer, with the word of God, another layer of prayer, and then with another word of God, and then another layer of prayer. with the, You load up your prayers with the scripture. 
that God looks at it and says, oh my God, it is his word. It is my word in his mouth. And if he's beginning to pray it, I am bound to perform. How do you get your answers quick when you begin to pray what is in the word? Pray the word of God. Don't keep running to another prophet because man should not live by the words of prophecy that comes from the mouth of the prophet. It comes from the word of God. The greatest prophecy is the word of God. When you begin to pray the word of God, when you begin to declare the word of God, I'm, I'm standing in university saying, God, I was you know, standing in university, I'm saying, God, it is your will. From my classic prayers, it is your will that none should perish. None of the ones at UC Berkeley should perish. None of the ones at NYU should perish. None of the ones at Fordham should perish. None of the ones at Columbia should perish. God, op God opened some strategic doors to disciple and coach, uh, uh, you know, diplomats at the UN. And I'm sitting in the UN doing a Bible study. I'm like, God, it is your will that none of these diplomats should perish, but all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. What am I doing? I'm declaring the word of God. When you're praying for provision, you're reminding God who God is. One of his names, his nickname, his real name is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide for me according to his riches and glory. So when I begin to pray, I'm like, God, you are Jehovah Jireh. The cattle on a thousand hills is yours. The gold and the silver is yours. You can command. You will provide for me according to the, your riches and glory. I begin to pray God's word and turn that into a club sandwich prayer. You will forget club sandwich. You'll forget my message. We talked about the first one. We talked about you got to pray fervently. Pray till something happens. We talked about the labor room. We talked about praying, pushing, praying until something happens. Number two, we talked about praying honest prayers. We got to say, God, we messed up. If I can be blatant, I screwed up. We messed it up. We walked away. We want to come back. We stand on behalf of this nation, a nation that was built on Judeo-Christian values. And we are standing right now and saying, God, we as a nation has gone away from God. We are praying for God. Third, we talked about what is that? You're going to pray biblical prayers. Start, stop whispering prayers that you feel like. Let's get, you know, when I stand before a court, I have to buckle up. When I'm standing in the court, when I'm standing in front of the judge, I'm not going to tell them whatever I feel like telling them. I'm going to pull out the Constitution, and I'm going to tell them, I'm going to quote what is written in number this, 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 and because of this, I deserve justice. And that's how you make some prayers. Bible-based, biblical prayers. The Bible says, you know, First, Second Chronicles 7 and 14, it says, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. What's number 11? We've got to keep going. We've got to keep going because we've got good stuff coming up. You know, if you want to see God do some, you know, your prayers being answered, you've got to get specific. You've got to start praying specific prayers. All the men in the room, before you ever thought, thought about buying that car, you know, you don't even, before you even enter the dealership, for the last six months, you've been researching on the internet, looking at the car, the color, you could already smell the leather, you were looking at the rims, and you're looking at, you know, the, 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 the tires, and all of those cool things, the stereo, and the sound system, the surround system, and you were drooling over it before you arrived at the dealership, you never arrive at the dealership saying, hey, I need a car, and you're like, what car? 
and you start from like, like 100 cars to just one car. You're already ready. You have done your research. You have, you're specific about what you want. And you know that if A doesn't work, I've got B. If B doesn't work, I've got C. I think our prayers are so vague. Lord, I'm praying for my husband. Oh, my God. Can you get a little specific about that? Which husband? What kind of husband? Tall husband, short husband, praying husband, snoring husband. I mean, what, whatever. You got to start praying specific prayers to get breakthroughs when you begin to pray. We can begin to pray. And I'm telling you some of the things that we are enjoying in our life. And I think my kids know that are things that we prayed specifically. We wrote down and we prayed. We believed together and we prayed. I use the power of agreement. Sometimes I feel like I, I can't do it. The Bible says we're two or three. That means get two more people to agree with me in prayer. Then the breakthrough will happen. Every combination in the Bible, I'm going to use it for my advantage so that my prayers will be answered. The Bible says, give God no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. I'm telling you, God, you got to give him no rest. You got to pray and pray until something happens. Amen. Number one, you got to pray. Talk to me. You got to pray fervently. Number two, you got to pray honestly. Number three, you got to pray biblical prayers. Number four, you got to pray specific prayers. Specific prayers will give you the breakthroughs that you require. The last piece, I want to I ramp it up into the New Testament. Praying in the Spirit. Look at somebody and say, praying in the Spirit. The Bible says, you know, you know what happened in Acts, Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit fell upon the people. Tongues of fire came upon them. And the Bible says, all of them spoke in new tongues. I believe every single person in this room has access to this gift. All you need to do is ask him and say, God, I want this gift. Now, let me tell you about what is the meaning of prayer, specific prayers. We were on a similar tour like this for five nights in five countries. The first night, we landed in Dubai. The second day, we were in, uh, you know, in, in Oman. The third day, we were in, uh, you know, in, in Saudi. And I can't remember all the five countries in five nights just praying. People are like, you want to preach? I'm like, no, we're not here to preach. We are here to pray. So depending on the faith of the people in the room, some people got minivans, some people got mini tempos. Like, you know, depending on the faith, we were going around the, the city and praying and saying, God, give us this city. Give us the city. Give us open doors. And one of the places, one of the places that we were there, we were in front of the Grand Mosque, which is like the, the main mosque that controls the, the decision. The ruler, the king comes and comes to the, the Grand Mosque to make some major decision. We're standing outside in the Grand Mosque. And all this while, we were talking about praying in the understanding. So I'm praying in the understanding, five minutes, ten minutes, my prayer in the understanding is over. Now I'm praying in the spirit. I'm praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, because I have finished every information that I knew about the city. I have prayed everything that I know. Now I have switched into praying in the spirit. Suddenly, there is, a, there is a pastor at the back seat. He tapped me and he said, Pastor Barney, do you, do you speak in Arabic? So uh, I'm like, brother, uh, I don't speak in Arabic. I speak in my language that has been spoken in heaven. It's called Malayalam. And then I speak in English and I speak in a little bit of Hindi, a little bit of Tab, not in Arabic. 
But this guy said, no, pastor, you are fluently speaking in Arabic right now. When I was praying in the spirit, I was praying mysteries. The Bible says, you know, the Bible says when you pray in the spirit, you pray not unto God, not unto man, but you pray unto God. So I was making prayers way above my paycheck. I was making prayers that I could not even have thought about. I was making prayers that was decoded and downloaded from heaven straight into my spirit. And my spirit was relaying it to my brain. And my mouth was beginning to speak it before I was even thinking it. The Bible says when you speak in tongues that you don't speak unto man, but you speak unto God. Tonight I want to introduce you. Tell people in the room the greatest prayer language in the world is praying in tongues. Paul said, I pray in the understanding, but I also pray in the spirit. He said, I pray in tongues more than you guys. That was his qualification. And I'm telling you, one of the greatest blessings that God has given to me is to give the gift of praying in tongues. I'm praying in tongues. When I wake up, I can pray in tongues. When I'm driving, I can pray in tongues. I was taking a shower today, I'm praying in tongues. I can pray in tongues almost every time. And I never run out of words. I never run out of ideas. I never run out of requests because I know, you know, the best prayers are praying what is on God's heart. When I begin to pray in tongues, I'm actually decoding what is on God's heart and I'm actually praying it without even knowing it. You know, this is so much decoded, encrypted for all the Gen Z kids in the room, encrypted, decoded, that nobody can break it, that even the devil doesn't know what you're praying. When you pray in the understanding, the devil knows what you're understanding, what, you, what is going on, what you're speaking. But when you pray in the spirit, when you pray in tongues, you pray in a decoded language that not only even heaven, you know, not only devil cannot even understand, only God can understand. So tonight I'm just saying, I'm challenging people in the room that tonight God wants to fill every person in this room if you've never spoken in tongues. To give you the gift. It is a gift. How do you receive a gift? Pastor C gives me a gift. What do I do? Oh, no, pastor. You know, you know what? I have, to, I have to run. I have to do 20 push-ups. I have to, like, you know, I have to work out for 20 minutes. I have to go to Elmont and come back. I have to go to Manhattan. I don't have to say I have to do five things to receive the gifts. All I need to do is just what? Thank you, pastor. Receive it. Tonight, I believe there is going to be an infilling of the Holy Spirit that's going to be released upon this church. That if you would like to receive it, this is going to be a call. You know, we're going to open up and I would like the worship team to come right here right now. And we're going to pray about praying in the spirit. The Bible says, those who praise in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Every time I pray in tongues, I feel like charged up. Every time I pray in tongues, I feel like I want to do something. I mean, put some, put some, I feel like electricity. Do something with this power that I have. Let me go change the way. Let me go preach the gospel. Let me do something that I could never do before. You know what? Because I was talking to God. So tonight, I just want to give you this opportunity, this great gift. And when you begin to pray in the spirit, if you see in the book of Acts, that led to these guys operating in signs, wonders, and miracles. And one of my last things that I want to share is that a big return to the supernatural. The return to the miraculous. Can you show that, that, that graphic that I had uh, uh, right at the end? You know, this is the church becoming a house of miracles. 
a house of miracles where somebody getting saved and somebody getting healed is not a big deal. It is just something that happens every week. You know, it's every Sunday. It's like, you know, anybody sick, just come forward. There's going to be a group praying. People are getting healed like every Sunday. It's like nothing. It's, it's like, it's a usual thing that happens. Some visitors are like, people get healed here. I mean, you know, it's just God is doing that every Sunday. Every Sunday. And I'm telling you, it's not just that the pastor has to pray for you. The leaders have to pray for you. The Bible says, you are a royal priesthood. He didn't say that. The Paul is a royal priesthood. He said, every person sitting in this room is a minister. Every person in this room can lay hands and people will get healed. I can tell you stories about stories about stories of healing. A couple of months ago, I was in, I was in Dallas praying with this couple. I know this couple, again, another covenant relationship. I'm like speaking at this conference and I got a, I got a coffee break right at Starbucks. I'm hearing about what's going on. Tell me they, they don't have children. So this guy sitting in the front, the girl sitting in the back. We made a, a, a casual, faith-filled prayer. I prayed in the name of Jesus. Let the womb be open and let children come out because that is what the Bible says. Not just one child. Children are a gift from the Lord. The next thing I know is they are pregnant. They just had their first baby. Can God do miracles? He does it on a regular basis. And I believe this church, God is releasing this church into that realm of praying in the understanding and praying in the spirit. And when you begin to pray in the spirit, this becomes a house of prayer. It becomes a house of power. Thanks for joining us this week on the One Church Podcast. Be sure to tune in next week. If you are ready to start a relationship with Jesus and commit your life to Him, please contact us at info at onechurchonline.com. We hope you found value in this podcast, and we'd appreciate if you would share us with others and tell your family and friends to follow along. Our prayer and hope is that this podcast can reach countless lives. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify channels at One Church LI and visit us at our website, onechurchonline.com. Here at One Church, our vision is to see Jesus. We exist to reach the one with the love of Jesus and for all to live like Jesus. We want to see Jesus in each other and we pray and believe that there is more for you.